Merry Christmas. I'm incredibly thankful that we have finally arrived at this most holy night, and that as frightening and trying as worrisome and worrisome as it is right now, we are all able to be here in this church together today as a parish family. And that includes all of the folks who are watching online this evening. You may be at home this Christmas Eve, but if you're watching on your computer or television, then your heart is exactly right where it needs to be on this most holy night. We are all together, and we are all so desperately in need to gather into the presence of God in Jesus Christ again on this, the night of Christ's holy nativity. For on this night, in the middle of a world that was just as bleak and just as dark as our own is right now, A new light broke through the darkness that would bring about new hope and new joy and total salvation for all the world. And man, I don't know about you, but I need that story right now more than ever before. As Michael up there in the choir loft knows, probably my favorite Christmas hymn is one that doesn't usually work all that well here in the beauty of Northeast Florida. It doesn't work because our Christmas Eve services just aren't as cold and frozen as this particular hymn likes to proclaim. We tend to need to turn on the AC here inside the church on Christmas Eve, as we were actually doing earlier today, and now we're watching the temperature begin to change already for the heat to come on tomorrow. But nonetheless, my favorite Christmas carol is always hymn number 112 in the 1982 hymnal, based on a poem by that great 19th century English poet, Christina Rossetti, entitled, In the Bleak Midwinter. Now, Rossetti describes the midwinter of that first Christmas throughout the poem and in the hymn, just like this. She writes, in the bleak midwinter, frosty winds did moan, earth as hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter, long, long ago. And as much as we tend to think of those descriptions which she gives of snowy weather for the term bleak, I have to say that this year, living through this particular Christmas here in the middle of 2020, The bleakness within the words of this particular Christmas poem are taking on a whole new and different definition. Certainly, the midwinters in England and northern Europe are far colder than the temperatures here in northeast Florida. But the full sense of that word bleakness, which can also carry within it the definition of hopelessness, of dreariness, and of sadness is very much present all over our own country and all over the world this year. It is certainly a bit bleak here in Jacksonville as the COVID cases are yet again on the rise, even as the first vaccines are finally being given. And if we were to travel northward into the American Midwest, out into the states that lay on the other side of the Mississippi, in the Southwest and in the Pacific Northwest, and if we were to then turn and circle back around over to New England, that particular kind, that same bit of bleakness, I believe would be present in every single city, town, and community. So for me, this year, that beautiful poem 
in the bleak midwinter, set to the music of either Gustav Holst or Harold Dark, is perhaps more meaningful a Christmas hymn than it's ever been for me before. And besides our own struggle with the bleakness of another holiday in the middle of a pandemic, it also makes me think even more again about what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph in the gospel story we hear each and every Christmas Eve. For there can be no question that there must have been a bleakness, both with cold winds and fading hope looming over this man and over this very young very pregnant woman. There was certainly bleakness as they traveled late into that night and began seeking out a place of rest as Mary began to feel her first contractions beginning for the delivery of the baby in her womb. For Blessed Mary, there was absolutely no hospital to be found. There was no nurse, no midwife to help her. How horrifying it must have been in that bleak midwinter in Bethlehem of Judea far away from her home in Nazareth, to be feeling those contractions starting and to be turned away over and over and over again at every place they stopped in search of rest and safety. I myself remember quite a few years ago when me and a good friend were out traveling from a trip that we'd made up to New England to see the sights and to camp out there. We'd had a very nice week and we'd decided that we'd leave just a little bit early and try to make the long drive back as far as we could to get home early that weekend before we had to go back to work the following week. We drove that long travel day down from upstate New York into the state of Pennsylvania. And as we drove on, as night began to fall, we wound up in that mountainous panhandle portion of the state of Maryland. As it got later and later, we decided we'd stop somewhere for the night and just get a room in a motel to rest for that final leg of the trip the next morning. But each and every place we stopped along that long Interstate 68 that runs into the state of West Virginia, every hotel was full. By the time we passed midnight, we'd probably stopped at half a dozen hotels and had not yet found a room. When we saw that welcome to West Virginia sign, we'd pretty much decided we'd either drive all night to get home or we'd pull out our sleeping bags and just sleep there inside the car that night. But then at a gas station stop in Morganton, West Virginia, anybody know where Morganton, West Virginia is? Just as we were about to give up, an attendant that was working the late shift there heard our story And he offered to make a call and see if a motel that he knew about down in Morganton might have a room for us that night. He warned us that this was definitely not going to be the best hotel we'd ever stayed in before. But at that point, with tiredness beginning to overtake us, we were more than happy to accept his offer. So we wrote down the directions. This was before the time of smartphones. And we headed into Morganton to find this motel. Well, when we pulled into the parking lot after we'd searched and found this place, we instantly knew why this particular hotel, of all the hotels and motels in that area of Morganton, had rooms still available. 
After we rang the bell at the plexiglass window for five, maybe 10 minutes or so, finally an older woman appeared and she took our money with a bit of a smirk and she handed us a key. When we found the room and we opened up that door, we instantly began to wonder if maybe it just would have been a whole lot better to have slept inside the car that night. For the dingy room we had smelled a whole like a whole lot like an old ashtray. And the sink in the dirty bathroom was pulled halfway out of the wall. And the two beds were, I'll just say, messy. And so because of that, we decided to go back to the car, grab our sleeping bags, and we put the sleeping bags on top of the beds without touching the sheets, and we slept in our sleeping bags. But still, I have to say, as rough and frightening a place as it was at that old rundown motel in Morganton, West Virginia, it was still a room. We were still able to sleep that night out of the elements with a roof over our head and with a little bit of space to stretch out in. And the next morning, we were able to get back on the road a little more rested than we certainly would have been otherwise and with a whole new understanding and appreciation for why you should always book a room ahead before you go on vacation. And we made it home safely. When I think about that experience now, all these years later, and especially on this Christmas Eve, and I think about what it must have been like in that bleak midwinter for the Blessed Mother and for her husband Joseph, it becomes more and more emotional and more and more overwhelming the more I think about it. For Mary and Joseph, we're not able to find a room at all on the night of Christ's birth. For them, as we all know well, the best the blessed family can find will be an animal stall. That always looks a whole lot nicer when you see it in your nativity set in your house or up here at the altar or maybe in one of those Hallmark movies. But if you think about it, there couldn't be anything more different. As I know some of you did as well, I grew up in a more rural part of America with farms and farm animals all around me. When I was a little boy living in a trailer that my 18-year-old parents found a way to purchase, my father was able to dig up enough money to build a small barn to keep the two horses that he had, Mert and Dusty. I'll never forget those names. Even with just a few animals, though, that barn he built was never a place I ever longed to sleep in at night. As the children here at All Saints make note in our beautiful online Christmas pageant we published earlier today, barns smell bad. And in the time of the taxation by Roman Emperor Augustus, in that rural village of Bethlehem in ancient Judea, an animal stall was nowhere near the size of our modern barns. The proximity between Mary, who was in the middle of giving birth to whatever animals were in that stall that night, would have been very close and very constrained altogether. The cleanliness that we've all gotten a lot more appreciative of in our own times would have been non-existent as Mary began to deliver her baby. As much as the miracle of Jesus' own birth is what we usually consider every Christmas Eve, the greater mystery we might want to consider is how in the world did Mary manage to give birth in that place? How did she escape infection? 
How did she accomplish all of that, basically, which had to be accomplished to bring a child into the world in such a terrible setting? And finally, perhaps the biggest question of all, why did God require that his only son would have to be delivered in that bleak, dingy, dark, and dirty animal stall? This is the child of light and hope which we all now cling to as nothing less than God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. And yet he is born in the darkest night, in the most unsafe conditions, in what must have been incredibly difficult for his blessed, sweet mother and her new husband. Why did Christmas have to begin in the bleak midwinter? Well, brothers and sisters, I believe God made it happen that way so that this life that you and I live could never be too dark or too bleak to block that light of Christ which comes into our hearts and comes into the world. The true Son of God needed to be born down at the very dark, dirty bottom of our human life and existence in order for us to never for a second ever believe that God is not always ready to come to save us, to be with us in the best of times, and more importantly, to hold us up in the worst of times as well. In the middle of a dirty room, cut off from everyone, perhaps in a prison cell, either in a city like Jacksonville or in a prison that we ourselves tend to build in our hearts or in our minds, Jesus is still there. In the hospital room, on a ventilator, unable to communicate with the ones we love, we never will ever be alone because Jesus is willing to be with us. Locked in quarantine in the middle of a pandemic, scared to death to go outside because of some airborne virus that's robbed the lives of so many of us. God is still there with us, too. In the bleakest of midwinters, in our own lives and in the world, there will always, brothers and sisters, be that glorious and bright light, always ready to shine forth and give us hope. A light that first began to glow in this world through a child who was born at the very bottom in an animal stall in the late hours of this holy night, wrapped in dirty rags and laid in a manger so that there is no place that you and I can ever fall to that Christ cannot reach out and lift us up and save us. As the prophet Isaiah proclaimed, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. No matter where we end up, no matter what we face, that, brothers and sisters, gives us the hope and the joy to be able to say loudly and assuredly, joy to the world, joy to the world, joy to the world, for the Lord 
has come. Merry Christmas. Thanks be to God.